So good to see everybody here this morning. Uh, So let's get into Mark chapter 2 here. We're going to start in verse 23 and read to the end. Mark chapter 2, verse 23. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, haven't you, had the read the, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man... Uh, is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this day you've given us, for the opportunity to come and worship you together, Lord, Uh, for the safety you granted us on our roads this morning to get here. Lord, we thank you for those who are watching from home this morning. Uh, We thank you for those who are uh, on our hearts right now as we pray, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would uh, be with each and every one of us here, prepare us to hear your word today. Lord, uh, guide our hearts and our minds as we uh, dive into scripture today, Lord. Lord, I pray for those who are homesick. I pray for those who are in the hospital sick, Lord, that you would bring healing to their lives and you would bring comfort to their family, Lord. You would bring peace during this time for them. Lord, we thank you for each and every opportunity we have to learn and grow closer to you. Lord, I ask and pray these things in your name. Amen. This morning we find ourselves in a continuation of not just a particular chapter in the Word of God, but in a particular theme. Each and every time that the disciples and Jesus were together, they were met with opposition. It's almost like the old uh, Dave Clark Five song. Here we go again, ooh, catch us if you... None of, uh, none of the rest of you know that. That's in my darker days. I just want to let you know. But here we go again. What they're really questioning is the authority of Jesus Christ. In the first 12 verses in Mark, we see that they question Jesus' authority on forgiving of sin. For they said, only God can forgive sin. And Jesus said, you're right. And I'm going to show you who I am. And he healed the individual. They questioned Jesus' authority with hanging out with publicans and sinners. They would never do that, so they said, what right do you have to do that? And Jesus said, I've not come, I've come to give relief to those who are sick. Then they questioned Jesus' authority about his disciples not fasting, as theirs were. And you might remember from a couple of weeks ago, we discussed the situation that it's not necessarily 
that the grace cannot mix with law, but the fact of it is, is that Jesus came after different kinds of disciples. He had untrained disciples, as Acts chapter 4 reminds us. As his disciples of Peter and James, as they stood before the Sanhedrin, they said, we know that you're uneducated, but we see that you've been with Jesus. I'd rather kick out scholarships so that I can be with the spiritual side of Jesus. Amen. And today they question Jesus' authority concerning plucking some grain. This, not, my, this might not mean much to you, but to me, it, as I was studying this and ready to prepare for last week, which means I'd better be really good today because I've had two weeks to get this ready. But it drew me to an instance of when I was visiting one of our farmers. A certain individual there thought that just because he could eat raw soybeans that he offered them to me. As a trusting individual that I am, I said, this can't be too bad. I didn't know that raw soybeans kill rabbits. They almost killed me. (laughs) I ended up in the hospital. Not immediately that day. It took a couple days for them to infiltrate my gallbladder. If there would have been a permission slip to have my gallbladder removed surgically, I'd have signed it like that. But no, they, they mixed up some kind of concoction. Thank you, Ronnie Schaefer, for introducing me to raw soybeans. It wasn't his fault. He didn't know I was allergic to them. He didn't know what I come from the realm of rabbits. Here we go again. Jesus and his disciples, according to the text, are walking through a field. It's on a particular day because it references the fact that it was on the Sabbath that they were walking through the field. And as other times, Jesus just isn't with His disciples. There are the religious leaders that are also following Him, making sure that they do, or He does, what's supposed to be the way they determine it to be. If there's anything we've learned, hopefully in this study, last, next week, Lord willing, we'll get to the end Because at the end, when you go into chapter 3, the first few verses, they've had enough. Because then they begin to plot how it is that they can kill Jesus. But if there's one thing I've hoped that we've learned, maybe a couple of things I've hoped that we've learned is this in our study. Is that Jesus Christ is the supreme authority of all that there is. He is the King. He rules and reigns, as the song said, our God reigns. His name is Jesus. And whatever the world system may try to throw at us, dear people, remember this, Jesus is supreme. He is the authority. 
He is the one for whom all will bow the knee and proclaim. Even our arch enemy, the evil one, is one day going to kneel and say that he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. The second thing I, I hope you've learned is this. Is that his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Come unto me, all ye that are labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And Jesus doesn't come to us with rules and regulations. He comes to us with grace and mercy. It doesn't mean that we're allowed to just live as we desire to live. We have that option. But there's always consequences. But his burden is light. One of the things that I love about being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, is this. Is that he doesn't ask of me anything that he has already equipped me to do. And I'm thankful for that. But this morning we come to this next dispute in Mark chapter 2. And it's over his disciples taking a few kernels of grain. Some claim this to be even corn or whatever. That's not the issue. The issue is is that they're hungry. And on their journey. Now you have to understand this too, dear people, is that these disciples have left their livelihood. They have nothing to fall back on. They don't show up with Jesus on one day a week, the Sabbath. They're with Jesus all the time. And so they have to depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ for their sustenance. And as they're walking through this field, it doesn't give to us that claim in the Scriptures, but I kind of wonder if maybe Jesus might have said, boys, help yourself. I know you're hungry. Eat. And so it says that they pluck some heads of grain and they begin to eat it. The Pharisees have a problem with this because they determine that they are working on the Sabbath. One author said it this way when he wrote, he said, when the disciples took the grain, the Pharisees said that they were guilty of reaping. When the disciples, when they worked the grain in their hands and separated the chaff from the wheat, they were guilty of threshing. When the disciples, they blew in their hands to get rid of the chaff from the wheat, they were guilty of winnowing. When they put the grain in their mouths and and chewed it and swallowed it, they were guilty of storing. And when the chewed the grain before swallowing it, they were guilty of grinding. This is what the Pharisees were accusing the the disciples of Jesus Christ. But what they did not remember was what Moses wrote in Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 35. 
where Moses even gave, even on the Sabbath, he said, you may walk through your neighbor's field and you may glean, but you may not take a sickle to cut the chaff. Verse 26, it says that you also may walk through your neighbor's vineyard. You may have your fill of his grapes, but you may not put any of them in your bag. They were hungry. Now the next statement is really interesting of Jesus to say. Twice he mentions it. Not necessarily in the Gospel of Mark, but in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 12. Jesus asks them the same question twice in reference to the Word of God. He says, have you not read? Have you not read? Here in Mark chapter 2, Jesus references David in 1 Samuel chapter 21. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus also references the work of the priests on the Sabbath day in the temple. But he begins his defense, if you will, or the statement of his authority by saying, have you not read? We could park on that phrase for about three days. Because that phrase alone has with it nourishment for the depths of our soul. In other words, how do we read the Word of God? There may be a number of systems whereby we engage ourselves in reading the Word of God, but I guess my first question is this. Do you read the Word of God? Are you connected to the very person of Jesus Christ by reading what the Scriptures have to say concerning Him? I've tried my best in my life to follow an interesting statement where it says, no Bible, no breakfast. You can tell I've done pretty good. But the question is, do we even read the Word of God? Sometimes we rush to the Word of God in moments of, of great peril. Something happens to us, something happens to a family member, something happens in our community, and we're we're rushing to the Scriptures trying to find a reason why such a thing would happen. Sometimes we read the Word of God to collect for ourselves in our belts of theology spiritual shells that we may try to load our spiritual gun to fire them at people who don't agree with us. We use it as more of a opposition instead of a reception. We try to make sure all our I's are dotted and our T's are crossed 
in order that we feel that we can stand before him and say, see how good I am. There's other times, too, that we read the Word of God, maybe just nothing more than checking off a box in our to-do list. But Jesus asked these Pharisees, have you not read? These are the people that are supposed to be guardians of the Word of God. No, they did not have the finished canon as we do. But they had large portions of it that even at that time they could pinpoint for you which which verse is the very center of the Word of God. Don't ask me what it is. I I don't try to waste my, my time with that kind of trivia. They would be the ones who could parse every Hebrew verb and do it very, very carefully and very succinctly They were the ones who not only took the word of Moses, but they began to develop it in such a way that lifestyle was supposed to match what they thought lifestyle was supposed to be. These were the ones who were supposed to read the word of God. That's what their office was. And yet Jesus asked them, have you not read? Interesting. For Jesus highlights in Mark's Gospel an instance whereby they should have, they should have risen up in opposition. For Jesus asks them, have you not read about David and what he did? Well, what did David do? Without turning there, time won't allow us to do that, but I encourage you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 21. And it is there that you'll find that David went into the temple and asked the high priest for some sustenance. The account is is that David is running from Saul. He and his men are running from Saul for their lives. They come to the temple. And Ahimelech is there, not Abiathar. Abiathar is the son of Ahimelech. Ahimelech the high priest at that time, when you read that passage, you'll find out that he was scared to death. Because what Saul was doing is that he was slaying high priests. The ones who didn't agree with him, they were losing their heads. And Ahimelech thought that David was there to spy. Because he asked them the question, street vernacular, what are you doing here? first thing David does is he tells a lie. He says, the king has sent me on a secret mission and no one is supposed to know where we're going. But we had to leave so fast that we could not even 
have time to put together traveling meals. I don't know about you, but when my family, when we go on vacation traveling, the first thing that got packed was snacks. There was no way I'm traveling in my vehicle with six children without Pop-Tarts. That's not happening. But they didn't have time for snacks. They didn't have time for anything. David said, it's so secret we had to get out quick. But where's your men? Oh, they're at another location waiting for me. And David says, you got any bread? The only bread they had was the show bread. The show bread was placed on the table of show bread in the holy place of the temple. There were 12 loaves that were prepared on the Sabbath to bring into the temple to replace the bread that was already there. It was a week's worth of bread that was to stay on the table as recorded for us in Leviticus chapter 24 and Exodus chapter 25. These 12 loaves, some think that they were no thicker than a a good-sized pancake. There was no yeast in them. Each one of those particular loaves represented one of the tribes of the nation of Israel, the twelve. There's supposed to be twelve. Two stacks of six. And they are to be sprinkled with frankincense. But when they were replaced on the Sabbath day, the weak old loaves were then to be eaten by the high priests or the priestly tribe ministering that day in the temple. No one else was supposed to have that. That was instituted by God through Moses in Exodus 25, Leviticus chapter 24. And David shows up and he says, you got any bread? And Ahimelech says, all we have is the show bread. Interesting question back to David was this. Have you and your men kept yourselves from women the last three days? What kind of question is that? It was a question of cleanliness. David said, yes, okay, here, you can have these loaves. And Jesus' reference to that, he says to the Pharisees, have you not read of what David did? You're complaining that we've taken some grains of a, of a, a, a neighbor's field, which the Word of God says we can, How would you like to argue the Word of God with the one who wrote the Word of God? Oh, but by the way, don't we do that? Don't be so quick. Because we do the same thing.
Have you not read what David did? And yet the Pharisees would not have been caught dead in condemning the king, David. Then in Matthew chapter 12, you go back there this afternoon and read the same account. Jesus adds another one. And he says, have you not read about the priests? How Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, how they even defiled the law because they worked on the Sabbath. That bread that they were to exchange didn't automatically appear. They had to make that bread on the Sabbath morning and exchange it every week. And so literally, according to the Pharisees, what they did is work also. They defiled, according to your statements, they defiled the Sabbath day by working. Well, the Pharisees would have never never would have condemned them for that. But there's a statement in Matthew 12 that is not listed here in Mark chapter 2. Jesus goes on to say, there's one better than the temple standing before you. They were questioning Jesus' authority. What authority do you have? The supposed forgiver of sins. The supposed one who eats and drinks with publicans and sinners. The supposed one who doesn't commend your disciples to to fast like we do. By what authority do you have? To allow your disciples to usurp the laws that we institute. And Jesus said, one that is greater than the temple is before you. Then Jesus concludes with two fantastic statements. His first statement is this. As the Son of Man is Lord of Sabbath. He's Lord. I am Lord of Sabbath. In your translation, I'm sure that you see that the the word Lord is in reference to Him as King. That's what Lord is. He's the King. These particular sheaves of grain are only there because the King has instituted them to grow. These disciples are only here because the King has called them to Himself. 
Oh, and by the way, all of you, you're only here because the King has given you the strength to be here. He is Lord of Sabbath. Interestingly, he follows up by highlighting the fact that man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. You want to know about the best thing about Sunday afternoon? You all know where I'm going with this. I check my eyelids to make sure there's no slit in them. I get to rest. In fact, the Lord God Himself in Genesis chapter 1 when He had finished creation, He looked at the seventh day and He said, remember it, keep it holy, it's finished. It's not that God needed a day of rest, but He knew all of creation needs a day of rest. Now, I'm not saying that we, we don't go visit people on Sunday. I, I'm not saying that by all rights, I should be relieved of not having to work on Sunday. Can I get an amen from the congregation? I only work one day a week. But the issue is, is sometimes the Sabbath, which by the way is Saturday. We've changed that now. The reason we meet on Sundays is because our Savior rose the first day of the week. Amen. And we celebrate that. This is the, we give Him the firsts even before the week begins. We give Him this day. This is His day. And we can rejoice and be glad in it. And we can celebrate and sing which you all did wonderful. Maybe we ought to have some more ice days to keep you out so that when you come, you're ready to let it rip. Thank the Lord for our organists and pianists this morning. They introduced us to the wonder of our God. How great is our God was played. And all the songs that we sing highlighted the fact of how great He is. He is Lord. I don't care what LGBTQ people say. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And what He's made proclaims His goodness. Pray for me. I'm engaging myself in a study. My co-pastor Steve and I are engaging ourselves in a future study of this, what's called the Equality Act. And how it's going to affect families and even our church. And what do we need to do? First thing you need to do, this is a Shakespeare aside. First thing you need to do is you need to call your senators and say, do not support the Equality Act. Do not do that. Call them. This Equality Act is dangerous in what it will highlight as far as 
restructuring the family and unfortunately attacking the church. So you pray for me because I'm about ready to enter in the den of the lions. We may not be able to anymore have live streaming on YouTube. We may be erased because of the things we have to talk about. But that's okay. I'd rather talk about Jesus than be on YouTube any day. So you pray for us as we begin our study. But Jesus Christ is Lord of the Sabbath. He's King. And the Sabbath was made for man. There used to be a time there was this thing called blue laws. How many of you remember that term, blue laws? Nothing could be open. You didn't get gas on Saturday, forget about getting gas on Sunday. I think in our town, if I'm not mistaken, our town, the first business that broke the blue law was McDonald's. But there you could only go through the drive-thru. Couldn't go in. Blue laws. Everything was shut down. Day of rest. Now we got a a society where everything's open because there's no time for God. Jesus said, Sabbath day. Sunday's a day of rest. And I love my afternoon nap. Someone give me an amen. Yes, ma'am, amen. I've not found the slit yet. It's good. I'm still okay. Sabbath wasn't made for man. Laws and regulations, Jesus said, are not for the betterment of mankind. They were hungry. They were thirsty. And they're following the king. And the king is going to take them to a place that is going to be the very beginning of his end. Next week, we will look at Jesus going into the synagogue. And again, the question is, is it right to do good on the Sabbath? That comes in Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And they end by saying, they began to plot how they may kill the king. I leave you with this question. Not only is the Lord the Lord of the Sabbath, but He is Lord of the angels, for they worship Him. He is Lord from heaven and all its hosts do acknowledge Him. He is Lord of earth for by Him it was made and through Him it's upheld. He is Lord of all creation for He is the firstborn of every creature. 
that in all things he should have the preeminence. He is Lord of the Sabbath. To supply rest for the weary and worship for the thankful. The question on my lips is this. You may know him as Savior. But have you declared him to be your Lord? That's the key. Is he king of all that you have? Let's pray. Our God and our Father, it's through your Son's name, Jesus Christ, that we come and say thank you. Thank you for allowing us this privilege to gather together to worship you. Privilege to gather together to have your Spirit teach us things and bring all things to our remembrance. It's a privilege to have fellowship with brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. It's a privilege to be used of you to bring the reality of heaven down here to earth and all that we say and do. And we do this because you are Lord. May we never look at our position in you as a way of beating up those who don't do what we do or say what we say. May we speak the truth in love. For that's what you do and that's what you command. May we be, oh good, oh good Lord, may we be disciples. Walking in light, walking in truth, walking in love, but walking with you. Use us for your honor and glory, our God, and I thank you in your name. Amen.